as a humble people, we recognize that um, our minds are often filled with clutter. <laughs> they race over things that uh, we fear and are anxious about. Uh, they worry over things that are way out of our control. Our minds get distracted from the things that are important. And in that, God, we need your help. So even this morning, we need your help. We need your help to focus today on this, your holy word. We need your help to uh, take this word and allow it to flow into uh, the very being of who we are, that we might learn and grow and be changed, that indeed we might live for your glory. We know that you are a good God. We know that you love your people. We know that you have called us out to be your people, and therefore we know that you love us. So indeed, this morning, would you share this word for your glory and for our good, we pray. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I don't know if you've experienced this, but oftentimes one of the very cool tools, a very effective tool in preaching is an object lesson, right? Uh, or the, the reality of a, a visual of some kind, and some of you have been intrigued by the table and the uh, things of this morning, and so uh, I indeed am going to use a visual, an object lesson this morning, but really it's not my idea, it's Peter's, right? You see, Peter loved the reality of an object lesson. He loved teachable moments around visual realities. Uh, we've already learned a bit about that as we've studied the book of Acts. And if you're just joining us this morning, we're in a series in the first eight chapters of Acts that we started in June. And we're, we're making our way slowly uh, through this book today in chapter 3, starting in verse 11, but well, if you've been with us, you, you have heard already Peter preach a sermon in Acts chapter 2. And when he preached that sermon, it came off of a really pretty cool visual. It's called Pentecost, <laughs> right? So here's God's people waiting on the reality of the Holy Spirit, which Jesus had promised them before he ascended into heaven, and, and, and it comes, and there are flames of fire on their head. They're talking in international tongues that they have no way as simple fishermen knowing how to speak. There is the sound of rushing wind, and something miraculous is happening, so much so that the common folk of the day look at the disciples, look at the apostles, and go, they must be drunk. And Peter steps to the pulpit, and he says, we're not drunk, but let me tell you about Jesus, Right? And so off of the Pentecost illustration, right, that is happening in their midst, comes this amazing sermon, which we've called the Wham Sermon uh, so far in our study of the book of Acts. Well, in Acts chapter 3, we have a similar scenario. Those of you here last week uh, saw an amazing story of the healing of a man that has been lame 40 plus years. He's been lame his entire life. And uh, Peter and John are approaching prayer time. Uh, and they go to the gate, beautiful, and this man is sitting there, and they say, we don't have silver or gold, which is what you're asking for, but Peter says, uh, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. 
right? And he extends his hand. The man takes his hand, and he, what? Leaps, right? He leaps, and then he's walking and leaping and praising God, and he joins Peter and John at praise time, at prayer meeting. Well, listen, as they come out of prayer meeting, Peter finds himself in a crowd again with an amazing object lesson, the healing of this man. So what do you think he does? He preaches. He preaches. And again, we're in this place. It's a weird place for the preacher to preach about somebody else's preaching, right? But it's where we find ourselves in Acts chapter 3. So turn with me, if you will, to hear Peter's sermon as he builds out of this amazing teachable moment, this great object lesson, this valuable visual that he has in Acts chapter 3, starting at verse 11. It says this. This is the very word of God. Acts chapter 3, verse 11. While he clung, that being the man who was born... Uh, lame and is now healed, while he clung to Peter and John, all the people who had now gathered, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Here's the sermon. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see And know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days, you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. May God help us. May indeed God help us in the understanding of his word. First, real quickly, just I want to make sure you get the context of this sermon, right? Uh, Much like in Acts chapter 2, after Pentecost, the people were amazed. Uh, Look at the language that Luke uses here. Verse 10, that they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. Verse 11, that they were utterly astounded. 
Much like in Acts 2, the miracle gathers a crowd. Solomon's portico, mentioned here in the text, is a porch outside of the outer court of the temple. Listen, it shows that they were probably coming from prayer time and going home. But by now, (laughs) many have heard the news of the healing, and so many gather. And they are making much of whom? Of Peter and John, because Peter and John were the ones who healed him. They were making much of the healing. And so you get this sense that as they um, come out of prayer meeting, that people, a crowd has now gathered, and their attention is upon Peter and John. But again, much like in Acts chapter 2, Peter takes that attention and redirects it to a miracle that makes much of Jesus, not of them. And he takes the opportunity to make much of a teachable moment. So uh, Peter was Presbyterian. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, He had three points to his sermon. Uh, And so what we're going to do is take three points today to cover three points of... He wasn't Presbyterian. Uh, But but, uh, take three points, right, to, to cover three things that I think Peter is saying to us in this text. Here's the first point, I think, of Peter's sermon. You ready? You're the lame guy. You're the lame guy. Peter says to this crowd, and if we're open to it today, the Spirit says to us, right, you are more like this lame guy when he's lame than you ever might realize. You say, well, I'm not physically lame. No, but spiritually you are bound by sin. Sin is a dark reality in our lives, a reality that is uh, not just part of our lives, but in every part of our lives. So we uh, go to the visual today, right? So in case you can't read from far away, uh, this vase represents sin. This vase represents me, right? I am not this crystal clear, right? And uh, just so you're well aware, you are not this crystal clear. The reality is that sin has invaded every aspect of our lives, right? So it's not a portion of our heart that is sinful. It's not something that we do that is sinful. Uh, Us good reformers call it total depravity, right? That there is nothing in us that isn't impacted by the reality of sin, This is Peter's point. Listen, uh, those of you who gather today, you have sin in your life. You are the lame guy as he is lame, bound by sin. He he tells them, listen, you've already forgotten about Jesus, right? Because your attention's on us. You think somehow that we've done this. Uh, Do you not remember the man who walked the hillsides of Galilee, who journeyed along the Sea of Galilee, and who touched people and healed them, who brought people back from the dead, who delivered them from demons? Have you somehow forgotten that guy? Because it's in, verse 16 says, his name. By faith in his name that has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given man this perfect health in the presence of you all. They've already forgotten about Jesus, but there may be a really good reason they've forgotten about Jesus that Peter addresses. 
Because do you remember Jesus? He's that guy you all killed. <laughs> right? Did you catch that in this text? He's going to say, hey, it's Jesus who healed him, but since we're talking about Jesus, let me remind you what you did to Jesus. Verse 13, Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate. Verse 14, Jesus, whom you denied as the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer, Barabbas, to be released to you instead of him. And then in case you still didn't get it, verse 15, you killed the author of life. Yikes! You know, Peter wasn't one of those preachers that uh, wanted to tickle your ears and make you feel good about yourself and then share the gospel. Here's Peter. You want to know who healed this guy? It wasn't me. It was Jesus. Who, by the way, you killed. Are you not convinced yet that you are a sinner? Let me tell you, you are. Every aspect of life has been impacted by sin. And likewise, people of God, we cannot escape the truth. We cannot escape the truth that sin is in our lives. And that sin is crippling. Listen, yes, you are the lame man. We know that it's true because God has told us that it's true. In Psalm chapter 32, verses 3 and 4, it says this, For when I kept silent, David says, when I kept silent about my sin, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. There is a crippling reality to unspoken and unconfessed sin. That may be familiar to you. This one may not be quite as familiar. In Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 10, God says to Ezekiel that he needs to say this to God's people. And you, son of man, say to the house of Israel, thus have you said, surely our transgressions and our sins are upon us. And listen, here's nice friendly terminology that we want to use to try to woo people. No, listen, we rot away because of them. How then can we live? We, we know that this sin in our lives is crippling because God has told us that it is. We, we also know that it's crippling because we've seen this in someone else's life. I'll get to you, don't worry. But maybe we'll go lightly to have you just think of someone in your life whom you know, whom has been crippled by the reality of their sin. It has grown in them. It has infested in them. As Ezekiel says, it has rotted them from the inside out and in many ways has destroyed them. And then, truly, if we're honest, we know that sin is crippling, that we are the lame men because of our own lives. We seek when we sin to justify our sin. Well, I'm not as bad as that other person that goes to that other church. I'm not as bad as my neighbor who doesn't go to church. I'm not as bad as this person. So we, we, we try to weigh uh, in that our sin isn't so bad, but the reality is, is what we feel and sense and realize is that our sin is breaking us. That our sin is weighty. And that our sin 
is crippling. I've never done it, but I, I've always liked to gather a group of people, um, uh, half of which know the crippling nature of their sin, and half of which who are still having way too much fun sinning to realize that it's crippling them, and, and put them in a room together and give them about 20 minutes, right? And the reality of allowing those who are crippled by sin to talk to those who are having way too much fun in their sin, because I think in the reality that the things that we learn about the crippling nature of sin comes from the people who have walked through it. So I, I just ask you this morning, do you know the crippling nature of sin? Listen, not just that you are a sinner. I think that's too easy for us simply to say. But the reality is that you have this heaviness of the wrath of a holy God on sin. I think this is what Peter wants the people to feel in the temple that day. Because you realize that it's only been about three months since that day that they were on the top of the hill in Jerusalem and they were waving palms and throwing their cloaks and saying, Hosanna, he is the king, right? And they celebrated Jesus as he walked down the hill on a donkey to then only days later stood in front of Pilate and said, Barabbas, give us Barabbas. Well, what do you want me to do with this man, Jesus? Crucify him, crucify him. It's only been months since that reality. And Peter says, listen, you need to feel the weight of that moment. I, I think it's why Luke wants to share this with the Gentile world, knowing that they're not the killers of Jesus, but as sinners, they need to feel the weight of their sin in the sight of a holy God. And it's quite frankly why the Spirit wants me to feel it, wants you to feel it, wants us to feel it, Today, do you know the crippling nature of sin as a result of the heaviness of the wrath of God? Thomas Watson is a Puritan pastor. This is a valuable, you might want to get your cameras ready. This is a great quote. Till sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. Feel the weight of that. We make much of Jesus, and that's good. But we will make much more of Jesus when we feel the weight of being the lame man. Till sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. So people of God, we must recognize our sin, feel its weight. It must become bitter because as it does, the healing, get this, the healing of Jesus on that sin becomes all the sweeter. We are the lame guy, but I have good news. If you don't remember, last week the lame guy got healed, right? And that's Peter's point. He says, remember that? Yeah, he was crippled. But what happened to him? Well, he was raised. And he walks, and he leaps, and he praises God. Here is the teachable moment in the power of the object lesson in Peter's message. Though your life has been infiltrated with sin, and that sin is crippling, it brings death. There is hope, and we need to hear it. There is hope in the name of Jesus for healing. A hope that takes your sin away. This is you, remember? Infiltrated. Every aspect of you by the reality of sin. But when we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, right? 
He makes us clean. You see, when we trust Jesus in our lives, he makes us pure. In fact, when we ask Jesus into our heart to forgive us of our sins, he, he not only makes us pure, he makes us righteous. Hear it? The picture is clear to those who gather. I hope the picture is clear to you this morning. No fellowed, crippled sinner that the same God who made the lame man whole knows you and the complexities of your sin. You haven't hidden your sin from him, and yet he still reaches out to heal you. In fact, in the true mystery of God, he will use your sin. He will use your lameness, your ignorance, says Peter, for his glory. Look at verses 17 and 18. I know that you acted in ignorance in your sin. And then these two words, oh my goodness, I love these two words when they show up in the scripture, right? I know that you acted in ignorance in your sin, but whom? But God. God foretold by the prophets that an anointed one shall come and suffer for us all and fulfill all that God has said about our freedom, about our healing. That anointed one, that Christos, is Christ himself. And maybe the most familiar of those prophets who foretold that Christ is Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 and 5. These are familiar words again to you, but hear them with fresh ears and a fresh heart. Talking about Jesus before there was Jesus, right? Here he is, the prophet Isaiah saying, listen, you feel the weight of your sin. I tell you this, surely he who is Jesus has borne our griefs. He has carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him, we saw him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us. Andrew, next one. I have it in my notes, but I'll get it. Oh, it brings us peace. I should have known it. All right? And with his wounds, get it, we're no longer crippled. With his wounds, we are healed. Peter says, this is Jesus. It's a story that is now just months old, a story of death, but death for our sins. A story of resurrection that promises us new life. Here again, verse 16 of our text, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man, read, read you, has made you, me, strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man, me, you, this perfect health in the presence of us all. Then, then hear through that, through to verse 26. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Huh. Think about the object lesson of this lame man. I think this is Peter's hope. This is Peter's message. As the lame man was healed by the power of the name of Jesus, so we are healed. We are forgiven by the power of the name of Jesus. We are set free. Do you know, oh, the sweetness of Christ who has died for our sins, who has made us whole? It's so. What should be our response? 
Well, Peter helps us with some instruction. He first says, listen, you're the lame man, but I have good news. The lame man got healed, but this is what you need to do now. Repent. We, we need to repent. Verse 19, repent, therefore, and turn back. Now, listen, we, we don't know. I like to do this sometimes. Uh, and we don't know any more about this lame man healed beyond this story, right? We, he gets healed. He leaps. He walks, leaps, praises God. And, and, and he comes out of the temple with them, and, and he's an object lesson. But then we, we, don't, we don't even know his name. We don't know how to find him. But I, I have this feeling, right? Track with me. I have this feeling that when he woke up the next day, he didn't ask some people to carry him to the gate called Beautiful and sit him down there with his alms box and say, oh, I'm lame again. Would you please help me? No, listen, what did he do? He, he probably was still weeping, right? <laughs> and walking and praising God. So what does Peter say? Listen, sinner, you who have been freed from your sin, Man, tomorrow don't go running back to it. You've been cleansed. You've been unbound. You've been freed. Live in repentance. Live as one who is free. And listen, not only live as one who's been turned from the weight of sin, but live as one who's turning to the forgiving arms of Jesus. Maybe the coolest thing about this text that I don't know that I've ever seen is in uh, verses 19 and following. I, I think in it we see a threefold blessing of what true repentance really is. Peter says, repent therefore and turn back. And, and then he gives this clarification to what true repentance is. And the blessing that it brings. Repent, therefore, and turn back. Number one, that your sins may be blotted out. <laughs> this is the obvious one, right? If you've been in church, you know the reality of that, that as we turn from our sins rather than return to them, that they are blotted out. As the psalmist says, they are as far as the east is from the west. We know that, right? You can't measure. They're, they're, they're gone. The, the reality of our sin paid for by Christ is, is removed. Your sins might be blotted out. It's literally the difference between heaven and hell, people. And believing and trusting in Jesus as the one who has taken your sins away. But that's not all. Peter goes on. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. And then this, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. <laughs> Feel in this uh, uh, amazing freedom what the lame man felt when he was healed. I mean, wh wh what did he do? Uh, I'm healed. Uh. No, listen, he, he leapt and he walked and he... Ready? And he leaped and he praised God. That's what he did. There, there was not only this reality that I'm no longer lame, but I'm, I'm finding refreshment in the presence of those who love Jesus. I'm finding refreshment in the presence of the Lord. Too many of us are like Christian in Paul Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. If you haven't read it, you probably should. It's a short read. You can get it free online. It's an e-book. It's an allegory that John Bunyan tells. And at one point, Christian, though he understands forgiveness, is still carrying this large bag of rocks called his sin. Right? And he's lugging them around even though he knows that he's been forgiven. 
That sound vaguely familiar? That, that we know that Jesus has taken them, but we're, we still have this guilt. We still have this shame. We still have this regret. And Peter preaches here. Listen, that, that is not repentance. Repentance is putting the bag of rocks down that have been blotted out by the grace of God and live in the refreshing presence of the Lord. Listen, if you're not walking and leaping and praising God over being forgiven of your sins, then you need to think about whether you've truly repented of your sins. Because it says that we'll spend times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. It's why Paul proclaims in Romans chapter 8, right? That therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. No condemnation in Christ Jesus. David even knew of this as he repented from his sin of adultery with Bathsheba. Steamy story. But you can see his repentance in Psalm 51. And one of the things that I love that David prays in that prayer is not only cleanse me, put my sin away, but he prays in verse 8, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones, God, that you have broken rejoice. May I find times of refreshment in the presence of the Lord. But that's not all. Peter goes on. Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. The times of refreshing may come from you, uh, from the presence of the Lord. And then thirdly, that he may send the Christ appointed for you, who is Jesus. This is so cool. Don't miss this. Is blotting out sins is a blessing upon our past. And the refreshing of the presence of Christ is a blessing of the present. There is a blessing of the future. That in our repentance is a hope of the return of Jesus. That's what Peter's speaking to. It's a return of Jesus that has a long part of this text that we don't have time this morning to get into. But ultimately, what Peter is saying is, look, Moses told you about this day. Samuel told you about this day. Abraham was promised about this day. And that day that they refer to is a day where there is, therefore, no more sin. It's the day that Christ comes back and there's a new heaven and a new earth. And we spend eternity with Him with... Get this through your beautiful thick heads. There is no sin. Listen, we've all been in places where there's been a joke, right? Playing golf with the buddies, whatever, and there's this joke like, man, I'm not sure I want to go heaven, probably can't get drunk there. Oh, and somebody says that, would you get on your knees and repent? Don't laugh! Because the reality is, is that's, that's not true repentance. True repentance is, is thinking about that day where there is no more sin and going, hallelujah. In fact, maybe you walk and leap and praise God because you hate sin. It's challenging to me. Maybe it's challenging to you because you know why? Way too often I love my sin. That's why I keep going back. That's why there's repetitive sin. Why do we keep being selfish? Because we love ourselves. And the sin of loving ourselves. Why, why, do, we, why do we put money before anything? Because we're greedy. And we have an idol. Why do we chase after our lusts? Because it's about us. 
not about Jesus. Maybe this is the most convicting to me that I would think about the day of Christ and know that there's no more sin and it would cause me to walk and weep and to praise Him. Do you want to hear about that day? That day when Jesus swallows up death and there is no more sin. That day, that day we look forward to. No more sin, no more suffering, no more sorrow because of Jesus. So repent, says Peter. Turn away from your sin and into the arms of a forgiving God. Experience the blessing of your sins blotted out, the refreshment of the presence of God, and the hope of the day when sin no longer exists. Like the lame man, may we never return to our lameness, but rather walk, leap, and praise God for the work of freedom that he has done. Our object lesson is kind of cool, right? But it's a science experiment, right? There's no miracle. I didn't go, do this. There's bleach in the water, right? That's what takes that stuff away. So it's just a, it's just a science experiment. It's cool. It shows us something. Listen, P- Peter's object lesson was much better. That wasn't a science experiment. Like there was a guy lame, and he touched him, and he got up, and he leaped, and he walked, and he praised God, right? That, that, that's... That you are forgiven, living in repentance, knowing that your sins are blotted out, there's refreshment in the presence of God, and there is a day where the sin that you hate will be no more. Living in that, living in that as a changed person is the best object lesson that the valley has. It is in you. Can you, can you imagine? Listen, just for one second. Imagine when Peter and John and the once lame guy now leaping, walking, and praising God comes out of prayer meeting. Maybe even think about when they go into prayer meeting. Hey, Peter and John. Hey, you're the guy that's lame. Yeah, I was. It's all right, right? I mean, I'm at, was prayer meeting the same? You're like, I go, okay, well, that's good. Let's pray. No, listen, there's something stirring. Think if they had Snapchat. Right? Twitter. Bing, 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 bing. All these hits going all over the place. And, and maybe somehow there was because when they came out of prayer meeting, there was a group of a thousand people waiting on Solomon's porch to see this guy. Why? Because God had done something. That's why Peter preaches. He has a valuable lesson to share with us all over the reality of this man made Well, spoiler alert, we'll see this next week. After he comes out, Peter preaches. It says, there's now 5,000 family units who have been saved. (laughs) The word is going exponentially. Why? Because the guy was lame and now he walks. And Peter says, you were lame, but now you're free. That's an astounding word. And we can live out 
that word. First, today, people of God, know, know that you are healed. If you've never asked Jesus to come and to take your sins away, this morning is that day. Trust Him that He is one who can heal you. Know that you are healed. Know that you've been forgiven. That the work of Jesus was for you. Trust Him for it. Find refreshment in it. Find hope in it. Then second, live in it that you might become the object lesson of His love and forgiveness. That as you turn from your sin and become refreshed in Jesus, that there might be a stir in your world. And the people around you will know that you have been healed and become intrigued with whom? You? No, Jesus, who's made you well. That we might, listen, Covenant Church, seize this day as a church to see people's lives changed. And in a day where there's so much fear, that we might be a place of hope. Sinner, you are the best object lesson that we have to tell the story of God's love. We are the lame man. Crippled, but healed. And now the vehicle that God desires to use to tell that story. Maybe so. Let's pray together. God, if there is even just one who hears today, says, man, I, I don't know if I know that. I don't know if I know that forgiveness. I, I don't know. I'm not sure I get that God has taken my sin away. God, would you press in by your spirit today that this word, that this truth, that this lame man might be the vehicle today that that one person here this morning or watching on stream say, I want that. I'm intrigued by it. I want to know that my sins are forgiven and that today you would simply pray this, Lord, I trust you that indeed today I can be healed. Man, my shame and my guilt and my regrets can be behind me as I now live as one who is made whole. Pray that for your people. And I pray that for your people, God, though we've known that and done that many times, we would know afresh today of what it is to be a witness in our repentance. That our lives would be different, and our lives being different, they might have hope even in a day of fear. And that that hope might be the very object lesson that intrigues someone in our circles, someone in our lives, to ask about you. May that be. May that be. We come to you, oh God. Indeed, to give you praise. But we come as one who is crippled but made whole to give you praise. May you hear our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's